0: everyone, this is Janine Strong, and you are listening to Keeping It Real with Janine. Every two weeks, I have an inspiring conversation with an ordinary person leading an extraordinary life. Today's inspiring and interesting conversation is with Dr. Stephen Forrest. Dr. Steve Forrest has decades of experience with meditation, contemplation, inquiry, and inner work. He has been actively involved in multiple schools and traditions ever since he was a teenager. These days, he likes working with small groups and
1: individuals.
0: Hi, Steve. How are you? Good, Janine. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Now, do you like to be called Steve or Stephen?
1: Steve is good.
0: Okay, great. Because my husband is a Stephen, but I call him Steven. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that's with the Ph. He asked me if you were with a V or a Ph.
1: Over over the years, I've tried various combinations, and Steve just seems to to fit better.
0: Great. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I'd like to start with, because when you, we were talking earlier, and and you said that, you know, you've really been interested in spirituality uh, since you were a teenager. And I thought that's kind of unusual, you know, for a teenager to be interested in spiritual things. And I was wondering, did something happen that triggered your interest at such a young age?
1: Yeah, so I don't, I'm going to say yes and no. And and I've talked to a lot of people about this over the years, because I've worked with a lot of people. So you never know what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. What I say for myself when I'm looking back is that at a very early age, like as soon as I could begin reading... Mm. I became interested in science fiction,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: rabidly interested, to the point that I would read a book a day or something. I mean, I was endlessly reading science fiction books. Mm -hmm. But over time, I noticed that there was a trend of the kind of science fiction books that I actually liked versus just any kind of science fiction. And looking back, what I noticed, it was always with some type of a Superman creature, some kind of an extraordinary, you know, something, you know, I think of, of books uh, for people that know like Dune, mm-hmm. Stranger in a Strange Land, where there was always some kind of unusual character that was suggestive of something, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. something metaphysical or something, you know, that you think of like a movie like The Matrix or something. It's mm-hmm. like, why did The Matrix speak to somebody and not somebody else? right? Because it's suggestive of something entirely other than ordinary life. And so that was the start. And then when I was probably around maybe 15 or 16, I was with a friend one day, and um, this was, I was living in Florida. And I was looking up at the stars, and I just had this thought, well, if everything I see is sort of the universe, what's outside of the universe? Like, what's the universe sitting in? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I would say these days, it was the the first time that my mind tried to comprehend um, infinity. And when it happened, I went into an altered state. Uh The mind just went on tilt. Um, These days, I would call it a mind quake. (laughs) Sort of ceased to function for a while and so that was a particular experience that I can still sort of still remember as, as a sort of early awakening to something Can then, you
0: describe that a little bit for for people what that what that actually how it manifested for you
1: I've never tried to do that so let, let's give it a try okay because I actually do this with people a lot um, and we could get into that but I we okay. in the schools that I grew up in, they would call it a shock,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, something that stops the ordinary mind uh, and puts you into an altered state of consciousness, you know, instantly. Mm -hmm. Um, For those that know the Carlos Castaneda books, Don Juan used this technique all the time. It was a classic part of what he did. So what happens is is you're – let me do another analogy too. For those that know the movie The Matrix, it's the black cat moment. Mm -hmm. It's where you're going through ordinary reality, which is really kind of like you're living in a virtual dream, and suddenly the dream shatters. It no longer makes any sense at all. Whatever the dream was that you were having suddenly comes to a screeching halt. The mind usually stops. There's just like this empty black spaciousness. Um, And you can have the feeling When that happens, and and I'm sure some people recognize this, even Mm -hmm. as they hear this, you can even have this feeling of of like falling, Mm -hmm. like the ground just came underneath your feet. Somebody pulled out the carpet. And so suddenly, instead of being oriented to the world and the scene that you're in, the orientation goes away, the solid ground goes away. And so there can be this feeling of spaciousness and emptiness. Um... And for some, they have this feeling of falling, which also, um, for some often leads to a feeling of fear or panic
0: mm-hmm. because
1: it's gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, does this tend to be like an aha moment or a, like a permanent change?
1: Yeah, this is more than an aha moment. Aha moments okay. are great. You know, and we could speak and you could tease apart an aha moment, um, mm-hmm. uh, but this is, so let's use an analogy. For, for mm-hmm. thousands of years, people believed that the earth was flat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then imagine somebody who totally believes that goes up in a hot air balloon or an airplane, and they look down at the earth. They're changed forever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Their paradigm has shifted forever. You can't, you can't unsee that the earth is round although I suppose the flat earth has somehow managed to do that. But nonetheless, for most of us, you see the earth is round and that's it. That's now changed forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's similar, um, uh, and we may get into this later, but for some people, when they do hallucinogens, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't unring that bell, so to speak. Got it. Right? So that's what I would say is some of these early moments for people, where their mind suddenly comes to this screeching halt and now they're sort of left in this empty voidness even though that goes away right ordinary consciousness will come back it's hard to forget that and because of that at least for some people they'll now begin to wonder about that and be curious about that and begin to explore paths how to get back to it
0: Mm. is that what happened to you
1: i would say so because I began, at that point, uh, meditating. Uh, I started with TM. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was one of those people that, I mean, I didn't know anything about it. It was just a friend of mine said, hey, let's go do this. And I went, oh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and from the very beginning, I would do my mantra and I would go into transcendental states. Mm-hmm. And it just it happened all the time. Now, I don't know how common that is, but it happened all the time for me. So I was, I was totally sucked in at that point. Mm-hmm. And my, how,
0: what, how, would you, um, how would you define a transcendental state?
1: Well, looking back on it, I mean, this sort of a trance state, that's why I like the, the word transcendental at that point. Um, what would happen for me is I would be in an ordinary state of consciousness. I would close my eyes and the world would disappear.
2: Mm.
1: And I would disappear. hmm and 20 minutes later, I would reappear. And you would <laughs> out when I reappeared. But I couldn't tell you anything about what happened in between.
0: Interesting.
1: And it became the favorite part of my day. I would meditate twice a day. Twice a day, I would do this disappearing act. I'd come back, blissed out, and then I'd go back to ordinary life.
0: Mm-hmm. So at some point, I would assume that you either it would just happen or you made an effort to have this be a part of your life 24 seven, as opposed to just those two times right. a day.
1: Right. And I tried, you know, there would be times where I would try to do two TM all day or multiple <laughs> times a day, and it, and it actually didn't work.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Uh, you know, I get two a day in, but really that was it. And I don't know how much more attention I really put into it when I went off to college. Um, I I don't remember spending much time or energy on these kind of things until graduate school. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: And what what did you study in college?
1: Undergrad. I was an economics major. Mm -hmm. And then I got a master's in economics. Uh, Looking back on it, God knows why I have no idea (laughs) what I did, Um, but uh, I was, I was going to be an attorney. Uh Um, I was always going to be an attorney. And I I was in law school Uh, and then sort of out of the blue, I mean, just even to this day, I have no idea why the head of the economics department at at, um, the school I was at, um, I was I was on home vacation, um, waiting to go to law school in the fall. Uh And this guy calls me at home and says, we have a National Science Foundation grant. How would you like to come back to school and work on it? And I'm like, well, better than spending summer at home with my parents. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think twice about it. And I went back to school, and then he informed me in order to do it, I had to, have, uh, I had to become a graduate student um, in, in economics. And I went, okay, I don't have a problem with that. But what happened at that point is right away I, I met somebody, a friend. We became really good friends. And he introduced me to his sensei. A martial arts uh, um, teacher,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it turned out to be what he called Zen Karatudo. <laughs> and so, although it was martial arts, it turned out to be something entirely other than that. It was it was Zen. It was Carlos Castaneda. It was Gurdjieff. It was Rajneesh. Mm-hmm. It was psychedelics. It was this whole world that I knew nothing about. Wow. And that was it. That was a complete turning point in my life. Um,
0: I can imagine. I mean, that seems so far away from economics. <laughs> <laughs>
1: completely. It, it was. And I was hooked. You know, I, I started going into altered states, even doing the martial arts and things, um, and, and, and loved the altered states. And so that became it. That became, you know, sort of the life journey, was exploring all of that through. And we could talk about any part of it that you want, but through various traditions schools, techniques, teachers, you know et cetera, but at that point, that's pretty much consumed my life for the last what forty years. Wow,
0: so Steve, what do you feel or who uh is was the most um how do I want to say it? influential for you or or made the biggest difference in your life or the 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 biggest changes?
1: Well, I'd have to say this first uh, martial arts um, teacher, um, he was certainly who introduced me to all of this. I can't say he brought about the biggest changes, but he's the one that introduced. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the way that that happened in particular was one day in class, he gave me a book to read. Okay. I went home, I read the book, I was fascinated by the book. What was it? It was, uh, was um, a separate reality. Uh which was Carlos Castaneda book. Okay, And so, you know, a few days later, I bring the book back to him and I, and his name was Phil. And I said, Phil, you know, this was great. Too bad. It's not true. (laughs) (laughs) And he went, Oh no, it is. And that was it. That was, you know, after that I started playing around with drugs, meditating, yoga, um, vegetarianism, macrobiotics, I, I trained martial arts, you know, hours a day. I, w- I was completely into it. And then he gave me another book to read. And that also turned out for me to be a major turning point was he gave me the book Meetings with Remarkable Men.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Familiar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that introduced me to Gurdjieff and the Gurdjieff work. And within a year or so after that, I entered the first Gurdjieff school that I was in.
0: Uh-huh. So I assume at some point in there you sort of dropped the economics.
1: Well, I went to work as an as a um economic consultant, big multinational company. And two years of hell for me. I just hated it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I, I it just so wasn't I, I just hated it. Um but I did it for a couple of years. Um and then I couldn't take it anymore. And I moved, and, and uh, I was living on the East Coast at the time. And at that point, I pretty much dropped it, moved to California. And that was the end of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So, you know, I know that uh, it, these days, and, and I've had a, a couple of people on who've talked about using uh, psychedelics to open the mind and, and uh, experience alternate realities, I guess we call it um, or, or true realities, however you want to look at it. Um, and what, what do you think is, is there something that, that you have found in your experience and, and, you know, talking with other people to be the most valuable or does it kind of depend on the person or?
1: Well, we have to, if we're going to talk about psychedelics, we have to put it within a context. Okay. So let's do that a little bit. Okay. Um, one way of talking about about humans, um, well, let's see how I want to say this. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it as a sort of a big picture. So okay. this this will take a, a, a few minutes. Okay. So if we use uh, modern physics, they would say something like. There was nothing, but out of that nothing, the nothingness itself had pure potentiality. Okay. And for some reason, nobody knows why, the potential became actual. Okay. Which was the beginning of the universe. And then, whether you say it was the Big Bang or it was inflation, whatever you want to say, there were, there was energy and there were laws. And based on the laws, that energy over 13.7 billion years became the universe we have now and everything that's in it. Okay. Now, we could get exotic and say, well, maybe this has happened billions of times. Maybe this is the the billionth time we've had a universe. Or we could say there's a multiverse which a lot of physicists are saying these days, mm-hmm. in which case this is just one universe out of infinite number of universes. But however it was, in this particular universe, this time around 13.7 billion years later, mm-hmm. the universe started off with just you know just energy, energy co- began to coalesce into matter, you know, um, hydrogen atoms, etc. Those coalesced into gases, gases coalesced into suns, the suns eventually went supernova, they produced the heavy elements, and you can sort of go step by step until our sun was created, the earth was created. And then on the earth over time, organic matter began to come into being, single-celled organisms, um, they got together for survival, specialization, and little by little, All of this began to produce plants, it produced animals. The animals got more and more sophisticated, uh, more and more complex. Eventually, right, in in the final second of the universe, we have humans. Mm -hmm. And what seems to be different about humans than anything else on this planet that we're aware of is that while I would personally say all animals are conscious, we're the only species that seems to be really self conscious.
2: Mm.
1: Is we have the ability for consciousness to turn back on itself and examine itself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And because of that, when consciousness turns back on itself, the very act of doing that begins to produce alchemical changes inside of our organism.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And as that begins to happen, we begin to experience altered states. Our consciousness expands both to the more microscopic levels and to the more macroscopic. In other words, it's like a a light bulb getting brighter and brighter. A human becomes more and more conscious.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Okay. So then what we have is a human that's conscious, but behind the consciousness, is what I would call an awake, aware intelligence. And so there's an awake, aware intelligence that illuminates the consciousness. And then consciousness is all of the experiences. Um, These days, physicists talk about what's called panpsychism, which is even their saying, everything is consciousness. Okay. Right. So I would go with that. I would say everything is consciousness. However... You don't know what's in the consciousness unless you're awake. So awakeness and illuminating awakeness is prior to consciousness. Okay. Okay. Okay, So there's there's an illuminating, awake, aware intelligence that's illuminating consciousness in all of its content. And you could say waking up, although there's degrees of waking up, Mm One degree of waking up is to wake up to your own consciousness. You know, okay. it's like, I'm here. Wonder what that is. So that's one degree of, of waking up. Okay. You could wake up prior to consciousness, which is to that intelligence that was there prior to the consciousness. Okay. So let's come back to the consciousness for a moment. Mm-hmm. Most people live relatively unconscious lives. True. Right. But some, for whatever reason, are called to begin exploring their own consciousness. Mm-hmm. Right. And hence many of the spiritual traditions and religions and shamanic things. Right. There's endless things that sort of explore that. Mm-hmm. And then what often begins to happen is people become enamored with the content of the consciousness or the state of the consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that may be it for the rest of their lives, which is basically chasing experiences. Okay. it's a good way right. of putting it. And, you know, whether it's, you know, Sufi dancing, spending hours chanting, et cetera, doing hallucinogens, you can do lots of things to alter your state of consciousness. It doesn't change you. That is, the awake, aware intelligence is unchanged by any of this. But you can change the experience that you're having, right? Right. I have friends. I I, I say they're basically, you know, in Disneyland.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: From teacher to teacher, technique to technique, you know, retreat after retreat, going for the next experience, the next ride at Disneyland.
0: Right. But but in the end, what's changed?
1: Exactly. You're
0: having all of these. I've I had discussion with a friend uh, about this the other day, in fact, you know her, Dr. Bev, Beverly yep. Uh we were talking about that, that, you know, uh, like she and I have been to so many seminars and, and, and workshops and experiences and retreats and had so much, we, I mean, it's been great, we've had a lot of fun, um, sure. but, you know, what's really
1: changed? Exactly. And, and you know, if I look back at myself and I look back at friends that I've had over the decades and and Etc., almost nothing changes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're, they're the same people they've always been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, I'll give another example. Um, not long ago, one of my uh, uh, good friends from college, who I hadn't talked to in 40 years, contacted me. Mm-hmm. Now you've got to remember, I've been doing what, 50 years of meditating, inquiry, release work. I mean, you know, heavily involved in esoteric schools. Right, Mm -hmm. Two minutes into the conversation, he goes, oh, same old Steve. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going, no, that can't possibly be. (laughs) How can I be the same old Steve after all that? But the point is, the personality doesn't change much. Your tendencies don't change much. Mm -hmm. What you like and dislike doesn't – because that's not the spiritual journey anyway. It actually has very little to do with that. I would say the true spiritual journey is waking up to what you are, which is prior to consciousness. It's not about changing the content of consciousness.
0: Uh, Okay. Just say that all again. I I think that's important, please.
1: Right. Because you can go on retreat. You can have whatever experiences you have. You can feel really awake. You know, you can see images. You can speak to God. Mm Mm-hmm and the retreat is over, that all disappears, and you're just you. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, one of my favorite teachers, um, Ramana Maharshi, mm-hmm. um, said to somebody that was a big change in their life was he said, all of these things and come and go. What doesn't come and go? You. Right. <laughs> you're what doesn't come and go. You're the thing that's the same in every experience. And I'm sure if you go back through your life, Janine, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, weren't you always you? Yes. Exactly. You're you. What you know has changed. Your memory banks have been filled with all sorts of things. You have all sorts of information, but you're still you. Mm -hmm. You're still that awake awareness that's always been there. So... The spiritual journey, from my perspective, it's awakening to that. It has <laughs> nothing to do with the personality. It has, it has nothing to do with experiences that come and go. Even though that happens, um, you know, on the spiritual journey, at least for some, you can go through dramatic awakenings. You can have kundalini exploding through your brain, you know, you can have freight trains of energy going through your spine and lighting up. You know, it, it's amazing the things that can happen. And I've had a lot of those experiences.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They come and they go. Right. I'm unchanged. I'm still me. I still like the same things I've ever liked. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm attracted to the same kind of women I've always been attracted to. Mm-hmm. I prefer chocolate ice cream over vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what that's not what it's about. It's about waking up in a way, one way of putting this is it's the waking up to yourself as the sort of as the universe rather than as the person.
0: Hmm. Waking up to yourself as the universe rather than the person.
1: So one of the ways I like to talk about this is that the universe is universing itself. <laughs> There's nobody doing anything. It's just a happening. Uh, Ramesh Belsakar said it was, it was the impersonal functioning of the totality of being. The impersonal. It's just happening. Okay. And you are the awake awareness that's witnessing what's happening. Now, at a certain level of consciousness, I talk about this consciousness pyramid, So the lower levels of the pyramid consciousness tends to be much more dense and you much more feel like you're a person and an individual.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And as you ascend the pyramid, as you get to higher levels of the pyramid, there's less and less the sense of you as an individual and more and more the sense of you as this universal consciousness.
2: Hmm.
1: But until you're there... It's just a concept, it's just a theory it, let me let me give another analogy we'll eventually get back to the hallucinogens, but let me give another analogy
0: no this is this this is a great track because i I've got some questions on this, but you do your yeah. analogy first
1: so imagine you're the the fruit on a tree mm-hmm. and and you wake up to yourself as the fruit on the tree as an individual consciousness, as an ego, okay. And the fruit thinks, look at this, I'm fruiting myself. (laughs) Right? Well, Mm -hmm. that's what it's like for the ego. The ego thinks it's egoing itself. But really, the fruit is part of a branch. The branch is part of the trunk. The trunk has roots. The roots are in the earth. The earth is part of the solar system. The solar system is part of the galaxy. There's nothing doing anything. Mm -hmm. It's the whole universe doing it. Part of the waking up process is more and more the realization is the universe is universing itself to an individuated body-mind consciousness. Mm. You're not doing it. It's doing it. Mm -hmm. You're not creating your life. The universe is creating the life. It's just happening. And so more and more, as you sort of ascend these levels of the pyramid, more and more that's realized. Got it. Right. That's what really begins to shift. It's your sense of identity begins to shift. It's not sort of changing yourself. So all of the work on improving yourself and actualizing yourself and all of these things, there's nothing wrong with any of that, but that's not what we're talking about.
2: Right.
0: It seems, excuse me. It seems to me that one of the reasons that everyone is, is, uh, on this journey, shall we say, is to change themselves, to be happier.
1: Okay, so you bring up a a great point. Probably since the beginning of mankind, there have been, let's say, two roads to happiness. There are those that believe that happiness comes from having stuff or doing stuff or being something. Mm-hmm. I'll be happy when I'm president. I'll be happy when I have a million dollars. Mm-hmm. I'll be happy when I get rid of this headache. You know, I'll be happy when I find the perfect relationship. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I'll be happy when there's no starvation on the planet. I'll be happy when there's... And so they're always looking outside themselves for the source of happiness. But the problem there is that when you go to the world of consciousness consciousness is dual by its nature. Hmm. You can't have on without off. True. You can't have happy without unhappy. Mm -hmm. You can't have pleasure without pain. Consciousness comes as pairs of opposites. And so the pursuit of happiness in consciousness, which I would say 99% of humanity, Mm -hmm. is doomed to because even if even if you you know you get the car you always wanted, well then the car becomes old, it rusts out and it's gone. Now where's your happiness? Where where's the happiness you have from all the experiences you've had in life where you were momentarily happy? Where are they now? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. They come and they go. It's just it's a state of consciousness. It comes and it goes. And so if we're looking for, let's say, eternal happiness, we have to look someplace where it doesn't come and go. Right. Right. So what the great traditions have said is that at, at our core, the term they use is sat chit mm-hmm. Right. The translation is being, consciousness, bliss. So if you look at a little baby that. Doesn't need its diapers changed and isn't hungry or anything like that. They're often just blissed out, mm-hmm. Just natural state. Well, why aren't we blissed out all the time like that? Good question. <laughs> and so, what, what I would say is, is because our mind has become polluted with endless stuff, beliefs, attitudes, you know, ways of looking at things, perceptions, points of view, etc. The mind has come in. And along with this, a fictitious creature that we call a person, as though there really is such a thing. Mm-hmm. So what the great traditions have said, especially traditions like Advaita, is that if you're looking for eternal bliss, eternal happiness, the only way to find it is to find that which never changes, because that's its true nature. Hmm. So this awake, aware intelligence has, by its very nature, sat chitananda, a kind of blissfulness that's independent of what's taking place in our lives. Because whatever's going on in our life is going to come and go. There's right. nothing that isn't going to come and go.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true.
1: You know, I, I remember watching the Super Bowl, um, two or three years ago, where this team uh, um, was, I think the score was 28 to three in the third quarter. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're obviously going to lose the game and they're going to be devastated. And the other team is so excited and you can see everybody, you know, shouting and high-fiving each other on the sideline. Well, by the time the game is over, the team that was down won. (laughs) Complete opposite experience. And Watching these guys and watching them being interviewed, they were so high. They're probably as high as they're ever gonna be in their entire lifetimes. Mm -hmm. You know what? The next day it's all gone and it's just a memory. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now what? Now where's my happiness? That was yesterday. Where's my happiness today?
0: So what's the answer?
1: Well, what the traditions have said Is you have to find the self. You have to wake up to what you were before you became a person. Ah. That was their solution. Mm -hmm. And this is Advaita and Zen and many traditions. You have to find out prior to consciousness, prior to the development of a me. Because whatever that was is still here right now, it's never gone anyplace. Right, right. The, 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 when we said it earlier, it's like if you remember yourself ten or twenty or thirty or forty years ago, it's always been you. You're the awakeness inside that body mind. Mm-hmm. However, in my experience over the years, very few traditions talk to this. Very few teachers talk to this. Most of them that I've come across with, and most of their technologies, uh, you know, their various mantras, their various dances, they're all of the drumming, whatever it is. Most of them are aimed at altering your state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. However, as soon as you stop doing it, your consciousness more or less goes back to where it was. Which really sucks. I agree. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's... I've certainly been in certain states that it's like, oh, God, let me just keep this state forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no state that isn't going to come and go. It just isn't like that.
0: I mean, to me, it's kind of like you wake up in the morning. This happens to me a lot. I wake up in the morning and I love my bed. It's cozy and the windows open. So, you know, it's cool in the room. And I'm just sort of in this sort of partially here place and You know, I'm just, I'm like, I don't want to get up. I want to stay in this place. I don't want to just start doing, you know, get up and start doing my morning chores. And
1: I I mean, you're you're in that hypnagogic state
0: Mm -hmm.
1: where you haven't coalesced yet into a me Mm -hmm. and a me that has a life and duties and responsibilities. And, you know, you have to pee every day. You got (laughs) to eat every day. You know, it's like endless, right? Just taking care of the organism. Yeah. It's a lot of work, frankly right it's It's like endless, it's like enough already, right so you're you're prior to that sometimes when you wake up in the morning, I have no idea who I am, where I am, what I am, nothing mm-hmm. it's, it's just awake. I love that space, mm-hmm. and then you can watch the mind starting <laughs> right it will begin to tell you what you have to do today and where you are and this and and before you know it, yeah. You're back in this virtual reality being created by the mind. Mm -hmm. And unless you work against that, that's where you'll spend the day. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the the wake-up journey in a certain way is against nature. It's against the momentum of that.
0: Hmm. Interesting. So if we can't, I mean... If we can't be happy all the time or uh, feel good all the time or you know uh, whatever the, uh, the 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 dual uh, dichotomies right. are,
1: right. how
0: do we be okay with what is
1: right so I, i'll just I'll give you from my own experience and from working with others okay and I, I didn't certainly didn't come up with any of this I mean I've had teachers and teachings along the way so if the mind is still. I'm fine, mm-hmm. i got no problems. Mm-hmm. And so the more the mind is cleaned out, uh, the less reactive the mind is, the less opinionated the mind is, the less busy the mind is, the freer you are, the happier you are. So I, I would say, for instance, my, my ordinary state, although God knows it could change tomorrow, mm-hmm. but what I, would, what, I, what I call is on the positive side of neutral. Hmm. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Then from everything being fine, some days, yesterday was one of those days, I sort of find myself in a bliss state. Can't tell you why. It just came. It was there for a while. I enjoyed it. It left. Other days I wake up in the morning and the body-mind consciousness is contracted. It's not in a happy place. Right. Mm-hmm. It stays as long as it does. And then it goes away and we come back to the sort of positive side of neutral. But along the way, I mean, I've done thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of inquiry and release work and things to free the mind. Right. To see wow. the biggest right to see the biggest triggers and, and dissolve them uh, to undo mommy's stuff and daddy's stuff. Um, to do th- uh, undo things like, well, you know, the world should be different than it is.
2: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: Right? I mean, things like that, you'll be unhappy the rest of your life. True. It, it, right? If you go about thinking, well, he shouldn't be our president. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're going to be unhappy for years. Um,
0: Especially if he gets in for another four. Exactly. If he gets- oh. right.
1: right. There shouldn't be war. Mm-hmm. Uh, says who mm, so good when point you, uh, right? see if you could undo a lot of the mind's nonsense you generally find yourself in a much more peaceful happy contented place you have to, you have to undo the attachment to the mind by seeing the mind as basically a mechanism um, can you explain that a little more so the mind is just sort of an apparatus that does stuff. Ah, okay. But in most people, it, it does you. Mm, right, right. It, 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 and, you know, wherever it goes, you're going with it.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Following so, like a little puppy.
1: <laughs> it, exactly. <laughs> right? But over time, as, as especially if you do a lot of meditation or something and you begin to watch the mind, you become the observer of the mind, the witness of the mind. And if you begin to witness the mind and you begin to see how it operates, then you can begin to manage the mind. Um, I talk about sometimes having good mental hygiene, Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. learning
1: how the mind operates and then managing it appropriately. And that's a whole topic even of itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll just, I'll give a a simple example. You know, how many times during the day do you, Or the people that are listening begin to think of somebody and then begin to talk to them in your head or even argue with them in your head. (laughs) Well, Mm -hmm. simply from my standpoint, not allowed. That's poor mental hygiene. Mm -hmm. So one comes to a decision. You develop a part of the mind, which I just call the manager. Its responsibility is to manage the rest of the mind. And when my mind begins to start to have an argument with somebody, it's like, uh-uh-uh, we don't do that. Nobody gets to be inside this mind but me, period. There are no other beings in here. If I want to talk to somebody, I'll talk to them, but they don't get to be in my mind. And if you take that on as an agreement with yourself, over time, that entire part of the mind drops out. Hmm. You just it just doesn't happen, and or if it does happen, you're instantly catching it and just put an end to it. Right, and not just that, but there's there's many things, you know, the way that um, people loop in their minds. Mm -hmm. They right, they they have a series of thoughts that sort of go in a loop, and then they think the same series of thoughts again, and then and it's just over and over and over, and that's like, so part of good mental hygiene is no looping hmm I as call it
0: spinning. You,
1: spin, same. As soon as you catch it, it's over. Done. Mm-hmm. Complete. I Don't go there. Mm-hmm. So part of the spiritual journey is you have to develop, again, what I'm calling an inner manager. Other traditions have other names for it. Uh, the Gurjeev tradition called it a deputy steward and a steward. Mm-hmm. You have to develop a part of the mind that sort of stays alert. And manages what the mind does, so that the mind doesn't run you.
0: Right. So you have to be able to witness or observe. You, you, I think that's kind of the first step, isn't it? That you,
1: exactly. uh,
0: you, you are catching yourself. I mean, sometimes I, I'll start. I, I'm doing way better. I've been really working on it, and and actually, I've been working on it with one of uh, one of my guests. I've, uh, she's been helping me. Uh, I don't spin near as much anymore. It's just such a relief. But you have to. You have to be able to catch yourself and see that you're doing it.
1: See, in in the Gurdiv tradition, uh, there were many values in that tradition. But the tradition starts off with you have to remember yourself. You have to self-observe yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to get to know. And and, and what we're saying by self there in a certain way is you've got to get to know your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, Your habits. You have to know know your predispositions, your tendencies. You have to begin to see what's going on. Don't change anything, but you have to begin to witness all of this and see what's going on. And the more you see it, usually um, the more disgusted you become. um, And then you have to start taking action. You have to begin to manage this. So if you're asleep, the ordinary state for humans, you can't do that.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But as soon as something wakes you up and suddenly there you are, from that moment on, you can begin to take actions for as long as you're awake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as I said, it's good to have certain rules for yourself so that you instantly can catch what's going on. You know, it's like, oh, wait a minute, I'm looping. Let's stop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talking to uh, somebody else in my mind. Okay, stop. I'm arguing. Here's another big one. The universe is the way it is because it's the way it is. (laughs) Period. And, you know, the past was the way it was because it was. Period. Mm -hmm. So any argument I have with anything that was or is, that's me. That's a problem. So no argument with what is. You just stop it. As soon as you find yourself arguing with what it is, you stop it. You just don't go there. Hmm.
0: Well, I think it does help to have some techniques. To, uh, I have three that I specific ones that I use that work for me when I start doing that. Um, so, what what are they? Um, well, one is um, a really fast way of using uh, emotional freedom technique and tapping. Yep. And just saying um it comes from uh what's it Robert Smith. Um and it's just it's just doing a, a few of the points you don't have to do many and you're just saying I just say let it go let it go let it go let it go and then you take a deep breath and you hold your wrist with one wrist with the other palm of your hand and say take a deep breath and say peace and that really works for me. Okay. And then um Selena also she taught me she said when I'm uh when I'm spinning about the way things are that I don't like, uh, she has me do, wouldn't it be nice if and of course she actually didn't think of this, but I thought, well, that's a Beach Boy song. Wouldn't it be nice? Da-da. So I do that and it makes it fun. It makes it funny. You know, I'm like, wouldn't it be nice if so and so would, you know, do something different and <laughs> works for me.
1: Right. So I have I have a mantra that I use that's similar to yours, which is release, relax, let go, release, release, relax, relax, surrender.
0: That's good. That's good. I like that. It's the same idea.
1: I I find just like you, it's, it's good to already have these ready for you. Yep. Right. They're trusty little tools. And I like emotional freedom technique. I've used a lot of it. I like it a lot. It's good to have these little tools that are just ready for you.
2: Mm
0: hmm. -hmm. Well, I would I'm going to use the tapping with the release, relax, let go. I like that. That That's it's a great one. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, When I've taken groups on hallucinogenic journeys, Mm -hmm. that's the mantra that gets drummed into them before the journey. Mm. No matter what's happening, which is just the content of your experience, no matter what it is, release, relax, let go. Mm-hmm. Right. Just release, relax, let go.
0: That's awesome. In fact, what just came to me, what I'm going to do is when I do upload our conversation, the blog newsletter that I do the week after, I'm going to share how to do that because this the way of doing this tapping, it's so simple. And and you don't have to like when I first learned it with Gary Craig, you had to do all these statements and it was yeah, very yeah. complex, and this is yeah. so simple you can do it in, like, 15 seconds. And, right. and so to use your release, relax, let go, and I'll show people where the points are and so that they can easily do it because I've just I've found it just works so well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I do a little tapping routine from time to time. It's on my head, mm-hmm. but I also don't use any of those statements, mm-hmm. uh, and I can just do it in a matter of seconds.
0: Yeah, because when I first learned it, I mean, you had to go through all, I mean, there were a whole bunch of points on the hands you had to do and and oh, yeah. and and you had to come up with the kind of the proper phrase that act that connected with what was going on. You didn't have like a universal phrase. Right. And um, you know, I'm sure that, you know, if you want to get into deeper kinds of things, then um, I mean, there are people doing all kinds of versions of EFT that work well, but for in the moment you want to stop spinning or looping, and you want to just quiet your mind. And I, I will also, I'll, I'll, I'll test it by trying to think about what was bothering me, and there's nothing there.
1: Right. So I, I agree. I'm, I'm very reductionist in a certain way. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to take things and make them as simple. So you know I do functional medicine. Right? Mm-hmm. I have done that a long time.
0: There's a doctor in front of your name. You might want to tell people what you do that because that's not your economics or. (laughs) Right,
1: right. I'll just mention that we don't have to go off into that. So I do functional medicine. I've done that for 35 years or so, which is basically doing non, you know, Western medical intervention for, you know, every condition you can think of. Mm -hmm. And we use a lot of supplements as part of what we do. Mm -hmm. And I came up with a term, minimum effective dose hmm what's the minimum that you need to get the result you're looking for and so when it comes to emotional clearing techniques same what's the minimum effective thing that you can use that just works for you
0: mm-hmm.
1: because if it's complicated you'll stop doing it if it's long you'll stop doing it yep right it, it, you will it's just not going to work
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know it's sort of like a, many people know this one but Years ago, if 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 my um, mind says something that I don't agree with, I just go clear, clear, clear,
2: mm, mm-hmm.
1: or release. Mm-hmm. You know, I go release, and I've built into my unconscious mind that when I say release, something happens inside. So it's simple, it's direct, it's fast, and then I can move on. I've seen really complex techniques and technologies, and they may they may be good and effective but nobody's going to do them.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Not for any length of time. Yeah. I think you go into it with a, you know, with a good, good intentions, but it's, yeah, yeah, if it's complex, it makes it, it makes it hard to really make it a practice.
1: Right. And I would say of of the spiritual technologies as well, you know, I've done complex things over the years, but these days it's very simple. It's about as simple as it can be,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. you know, and I, that's how it goes. Sort of as as you go up the pyramid, there's less complexity because you're getting closer to the source. Right. Right. You think of, of of the universe from the beginning till now. There's certain things we could say about the universe. You'd have to say that the universe and I'll anthropomorphize it, but the universe loves complexity. Mm-hmm. And it loves novelty. Mm. Right. And so the universe has become more and more complex, more and more novel, as the billions of years have gone on. Well, if you're trying to realize the source from which all of this came back from, well, then it's going to be less complex, less novel. Mm -hmm. Right? It's going to get simpler and simpler.
0: Mm, That makes sense. Mm
1: -hmm. And so the techniques that you might use at the beginning of your journey, which might be the perfect techniques at the beginning... They may not at all. In fact, they're likely not to be the ones that you need later on. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, so that leads into, because I wanted to just touch on this topic before we wrap up. I mean, we could go on forever. There's just so much good stuff here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your sharing. Because I've often thought of myself as like a dilettante, because I've done so many different things. and, And I've thought of it at times in a negative way, like, you know, I should stick with one thing. And you and I had talked about that a little bit, and I wanted you to touch on that, about being willing to let go of whatever, say, method, uh, uh, you know, or practice uh, you're doing to move on to something else, that maybe there comes a time when that's no longer serving you and it's okay to, to do something else.
1: Right, so I was, So this is not such a simple thing in a certain way, but I'd say that there's two major aspects of this, and I, and I see both um, in people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, one aspect is, especially these days, and I live in California, so God knows, <laughs> you know, a different teacher every weekend, a different retreat every weekend, a different mantra every, you know, it's, it's endless. Mm-hmm. So to me, more or less, what that's doing is, if you think of the consciousness pyramid you're not on a particularly high level of the, of the pyramid, and all you're doing is moving from from one room to another on the same level. Mm, okay. And you're, and you're not going any place. Mm-hmm. It's all it's all the same. Yep. It, it really doesn't matter. It's all more or less the same. So, you know, maybe that's all somebody's going to do in any particular lifetime. It's, it's not a judgment about that. It's just like it's just not going to take you any place.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and I have friends who have been doing that, you know, for five, six decades. <laughs> this latest teacher, oh, you know, and it's like, whatever. They're all the same. It, it really doesn't matter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What I would say is this, that there are aspects of the journey um, that are somewhat universal. Um, and they sort of have to be worked through, not in any particular order, but they kind of have to be worked through. Okay. Things like, like you have to remember yourself. Okay, Mm -hmm. you need to have willpower. Mm. Well, somewhere along the line, you need to develop willpower. Um, Mm -hmm. Somewhere along the line, you probably need to free yourself from a lot of your psychological stuff. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so there's something that needs to be done. Um, At some point, uh, you may need to begin to explore your own consciousness. So what are the tools for exploring your own consciousness? So there are different tools for different things. And rather than just from jumping from one thing to the next, through a process of inner discrimination, you can, especially if you sort of open it up to the universe and say, okay, what do I actually need now? Mm -hmm. What's actually needed? Mm -hmm. Let's say you have a lot of of psychological baggage, which is true of most people. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You may realize that what you need is a psychological tool or school or teaching for a period of time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so you go and do it and you stay until it's time to move on. And if you're talking about working with your psychology, that might be, a, a, I'll just in general, say seven to ten years of really deep inner work. Mm-hmm. Get the job done. At the point where you've sort of more or less gotten the job done, well, now it's perfect not only perfectly fine to move on, it's probably time to move on. Mm-hmm. And with the same question, it's like, okay, what's needed now? And then whatever it is, let's say it's like, well, you know, I never remember myself because I don't have the willpower to stay present. Well, maybe I need a teaching that helps me develop my willpower.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And and I need to do that as long as it takes until I develop the willpower. Mm-hmm. Right. So rather than jumping from seminar to seminar and teaching and all of this stuff, you begin to sort of, um, as I said, through a process of discrimination, realize what seems to be needed next. Now, Mm -hmm. often, and I would say this was probably true for me, I didn't necessarily know what I needed next, but I recognized it as soon as I came across it.
0: Mm -hmm. Good point.
1: Right. In other words, I was doing whatever I was doing. And some part in me, and I, I, I can remember this, you know, many times it was saying, okay, this isn't quite doing it now. What's needed? I don't, you know, it's like, what is it? And then something uh, always seemingly miraculous, you
2: know, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: uh, some synchronistic something just shows up and you, in, right, and you just know it. Yeah. Oh. You know, and that's the next 10 year phase.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, somewhere around year eight, nine, 10, you begin to go. I don't know. I seem to be done with this. This isn't. Well, I wonder what's needed now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Boom! The next thing shows up. Right. Right. right.
0: Okay, that's good. Right. Thank right. you. So I've got one last thing that I want to ask. Do we have free will? No. Yeah, you sound like my husband. Okay.
1: Yeah, it just doesn't exist. But let, let's just let's just open that up a little bit. Okay. Okay. So if you look at the consciousness pyramid. At the bottom level, at the very bottom level of the pyramid, you are a victim. Okay. You were born into a family that was born into a community, that was born into a religion, that was born into a country at a particular time and space, you know, in in a certain point of the evolution of the... You have no say over anything. Okay. You know, one kid is born in Africa, another one is born to a billionaire it just happens. There you are. And you're a victim of it. There's nothing you can do. You know, at two years old, three years old, four years old, you have no say over anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Somewhere along the line, you begin to realize that your experience of life is generated largely by your own mind. Okay. And when you begin to realize that, then you can begin to realize that if you change your mind, you'll change your life. Mm. And hence, you're very familiar with things like NLP
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and all of these things, which are really designed to help you change your mind. You know, the secret, okay. all the manifestation teachings, etc. change your life, become the master of your fate, the captain of your ship. Well, that's a higher level of the pyramid. Absolutely higher than somebody who's a victim. Got it. Yep. However, if you continue to ascend, you begin to realize that you don't create your thoughts. They just happen to you. The impulse to change your thought isn't self-created. It happens to you. (laughs) Mm. Your existence happens to you. Your consciousness happens to you. And little by little, you begin to go, well, this is just happening. And even if, if you look at the word free will, you could ask the question, free from what?
2: <laughs>
1: right? Free from what? Are you free from gravity? Mm. Mm. Are you free from your genetics? Mm. Are you free from your education? Are you free from what you know? That's one side of the equation where you're clearly not free from any of that. Right. And To say that I have free will, well, now I'm taking myself to be a person again. Mm. Well, I dare anybody who's listening to find their person. Take a moment now after they finish listening and just sit down and find you. That's all. Just as, right, you're there, so that shouldn't be a problem. Just sit down and find you. Find the one who's going to exercise free will.
2: Hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I can already tell you what they're going to find okay. you can look for eternity and you'll never find you there is no you it doesn't exist it's a fiction of the mind it's an avatar in fact neuroscience now even knows the part of the brain that the avatar comes from they call it the default mode network
2: Hmm.
1: Right, so the default mode network generates a sense of me Mm, okay. all it is is a sense of me it has no reality to it at all mm. and one of the ways we know that is if you give psychedelics at a high enough dose uh, especially uh, psilocybin or LSD the default mode network can more or less go offline and when that goes offline what, what's popular out there is the ego not really ego death, it's just a temp- temporary shutting off of the default mode network, and the sense of a me disappears. Mm-hmm. And you function just as well without this sense of a me going on. It's, it's an appendage. Hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's an avatar that's generated by the mind. And it came out online, you know, at the age of two or three or four. Your parents started telling you that you were a Janine Mm -hmm. you were a girl and and little by little you began to develop this sense of a you Mm -hmm. but most people have never explored whether that you actually exists as an entity and upon exploration everybody always finds exactly the same thing I keep looking and looking and looking and there's nobody there so if there's nobody there who's going to exercise this quote unquote free will. Good point. All right. So this is higher levels of the pyramid, meaning if this is your state of consciousness, you begin to realize there is no free will and there's nobody that has it or doesn't have it.
0: Is this pyramid? Have you like drawn this out
1: or? Nah, I, I, you know, <laughs> if I were ever motivated enough to do something, um, I I would, you know, it it would be a chapter in a book for sure if I ever write a book. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just a way of looking at things. I'm not saying there really is such a thing, but it helps to understand because we come across humans, all humans sort of look like humans, Mm -hmm. but there's a tremendous difference in their states of being. Mm -hmm. They live at entirely different levels of consciousness, and you can't tell by looking at them.
0: Yes, looks can be deceiving very much
1: so. Uh, totally. You know, and so we think we're talking, it, 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 and I'll give you an example. When our country talks to North Korea, mm-hmm. we just assume they're like us. Mm. They're nothing like us. They're at a much lower level of consciousness.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You can't talk to them as rational beings like we would and negotiate, like you would, with another rational being at a certain level of consciousness. It doesn't work. Mm. And when dealing on the spiritual journey, when you're dealing with students, you have to kind of ascertain, it's like, where are they? Mm -hmm. Right? To give them the highest teaching would be ludicrous. They're not at a state where that would be of any value to them. So the idea is always to go up to the next level of consciousness. So what's needed and 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 that's for us as well. Whatever level of consciousness we're currently residing on, what's needed to go up to the next level.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Right, otherwise it doesn't stick.
1: Exactly. And this is where the idea of shoots and ladders comes in is you know you're sort of looking for the next ladder up to the next level and you're trying to avoid the shoots which take you down a level or two. mm
0: mm-hmm. Mhm good analogy wow well I can see that we could have another conversation and uh, continue along this line because there's so much valuable information here and I can imagine that others like myself would like to go deeper into it with you
1: so I'm happy to do that Um, sure I'm happy to do it we can do it from time to time and just see you know we picking a topic or an area that we want to explore
0: great great okay well i think this is a lot for people to shall we say chew on <laughs> <laughs> and uh i would i would imagine that some people might even want to listen to it more than once because there's a lot here thank you so much steve i really really appreciate this you know this has been i think very enlightening and thought-provoking um, so I, I really appreciate your coming on, and I really appreciate what you have to offer.
1: Sure, and I'm, I'm happy to do it. You know, and, and part of I, I heard this from another teacher today, and I sort of agree that the further up the pyramid you go, there's more and more desire to be of service in a certain way. Yeah. You know, especially in the wake-up part of the journey. Hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, I would agree. I would agree. Well, thank you. We will talk again.
1: Sounds good.
0: You take care. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. The podcast website is realjanine.com, where you can listen to and download episodes, and you can sign up for the very informative Real Janine bi weekly newsletter. And remember, Janine is J A N E A N. Please subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine through iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. Do you know others who would benefit from my conversation with Steve Forrest? I'm pretty sure you do. Please share the love. It can only help. Thanks for listening. Take care. And.